People put a lot of thought into their call script, but not a lot of thought into their text script. We call them branch scripts. So for us, text responds this, it could go this way or this way. So depending on how the seller responds, we always look at this exercise like anything else in business. What's your goal? So if it's a closer, they've got a different goal in the opener. And the goal with the opener is to get the seller to talk to us. So we try to send texts that lead to another question or another answer because we want us to keep a conversation going. So we say Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I get to interview Lee Carney, a man who has flipped thousands and wholesale thousands of homes in Tampa Bay, Florida. And we are so pumped to talk about it because Lee has a particular uh, vantage point when it comes to the business. And he's been in 2004 when he got started all the way through that market cycle now into the new market cycle. So I'm super excited, Lee, to pick your brain, not only on the systems and the processes of how to build a very successful business, but how to do it in spite of the fact that markets are changing. So that being said, take us into what are some things that you're doing differently today that you weren't doing one or two years ago? I'll, I'll actually tell you a funny story about that. We're doing today what we were doing 17 years ago. It's gone full circle. So it's come back to the seller. The sellers have the equity. It's not gone full bore into a bank cycle where the banks control the inventory yet, but there's a ton of sellers with a ton of equity that are in distress. So we we're actually going full seller direct. That's where the deals are. So uh, we spoke briefly before we started this podcast and it's a sales and marketing game. So we are knee deep in sales and marketing. We eat, sleep, breathe sales and marketing. And everything we do is around serving our customer and our customers are homeowners. So all the discussions we have at the management level, all the way through the organization is how can we shape this business around our customer and how can we serve that customer better? And it's truly a sales driven process from the top down. So that, that is the big difference. But again, this is exactly what I did. The difference was 17 years ago, it was me and a truck. Now it's me and an entire team. So we're able to 10 X those efforts and, you know, we're, we're clicking a contract a day um, with an entire team full force behind that effort. Incredible. And so if we talk about 17 years ago, you were heavily focused on sales and marketing as it was the beginning of your business. Now you talk about the difference of the team. Obviously 17 years ago, you probably weren't running all these YouTube ads and things of that nature. What is different about sales and marketing for you today as opposed to 17 years ago? Sure. So there's a lot of things the same. There's a lot of things different. So the things that are the same is that ultimately you've got people dealing with people which means the sales aspect means you've got to put people first, profit second. And that's where you, you, you got to connect with your homeowner because ultimately if they're selling on price, which is the worst tool in your tool belt, none of us would be able to buy a property that we can make money on. So it, it truly is the acquisition process is a sales process. It's about talking to sellers, treating them with dignity, treating them with, with respect, having empathy and truly asking questions to understand their situation and creating a solution that typically in some shape or fashion involves price, but it's not led with price. Now, the things that are different is with technology, for instance, you know, I've got dialers all over the world, you know, 
they're all the way to the Philippines, um, Africa, South America, Central America. I've got a data team in India primarily and the Philippines. My CTO is based out of Hawaii. My closers are in all around the state of Florida. So our closers are domestic. Uh, we, we have not yet cracked the code with international closers. We, it's just not been something that we've able to consummate the deal with the seller. We found out that we need to, we really need someone with a, just, just a, it's an American, someone that, that our seller can, can connect with to actually get that transaction closed, especially for closing over the phone. And you're having a seller sell a, what we call a high ticket item over the phone. It's very difficult to do that, we, we found. But again, I, I have a good friend, a competitor, who has an entire organization that that's all virtual at this point. And he's got everywhere from openers to closers, to management all, all overseas and is crushing it. So I'd say, again, the things that are the same is the sales aspect. The thing that's wildly different is the technology. The fact that we can, you know, text, have people call back the same number. In fact, you know, we want to rotate numbers to make sure that we, we don't have spam. I can have one dialer text from five different numbers and have the text come back to those individual numbers. Again, stuff that we just kind of, kind of take for granted now in 2023, but 17 years ago, you couldn't do that. It was, it was very much, um, it was very clunky doing the stuff that we're doing today. Now it's super slick. The stuff's inside Salesforce. It's all just click a button and done on your computer. And then you can click an email. It sends over the entire profile over to me. It'll have the, It'll have all the links embedded in the email. I mean, stuff is just really, really slick. And then click another button, goes over to the closer, click another button. It fills out the entire contract for the seller, click another button, sends it to them. They click it a couple of times, the contract signed. I mean, it's just, the technology is just incredible. And, you know, I'm looking at AI and figuring out, okay, how can we use AI? This is the big question I've been asking really since the beginning of the year. Haven't got the answer yet, but we're, we're going down this, this path is how can we have AI give it a list of our seller and say, go find the seller, go start a conversation with them and then come back to us when you got, when you got someone live on the hook, you know, anywhere you can find them on the internet, social media, email, LinkedIn, doesn't matter. You, you go find them, you start the conversation and then bring them back to us. And that's really a big project that we've been trying to crack the code on because that's a big use for us. If we can have a, an automatic opener out there, find a seller for us, because we know our profile. I, I believe today we know our, our seller profile better than AI, but what yeah. we can use that technology for uh, is, is just automating the process. And we're, we're, we're still, Although we're using it, we still haven't even harnessed probably 0.1% of what it can do for our business. But that's, that's a part I'm excited for, you know, throughout, throughout the rest of the year and next year is figuring out, okay, how do we really harness this technology and get a hundred X, you know, get a thousand X. And to be honest with you, we haven't done that yet. Although we use a ton of technology, we're just dipping our toe in the water in that. But it, it's, it's, it's amazing when I look back at where the business was. And where it is today, it's it's exciting. I have I have several questions bringing up from this, and and I want to talk about the profile first because divining the right avatar in almost every business is yeah. a huge, monumental, usually task. But it's like the most it's the thing that sets the business 
on fire. Yep. As, as you've narrowed in on, on who your person is, has it made it easier to find them or harder? Like, you know, like when I think about selling business to business, it, a lot of times it could be a lot easier to develop the avatar and, and find them it, for you. How, how easy is it to find, you know, your, your clients out there? I'm, I'm going to take a quick diversion to a story that a professor told me in college about 20 years ago. Actually, it was about 25 years ago. So I'm aging myself. He said, not everybody's your customer. And he said, the best thing you can do when someone's not your customer is fire them and send them down the street to your competitor. And so that's a lesson I learned back in college. And the whole point of that really goes back to what you were saying. If you can define your avatar, what you're actually saying is not everybody's your customer. And the smartest businesses in the world don't try to appeal to everybody. They try to understand who their customer is and go all in on that customer. Or maybe there's a couple, couple different customers and you've got a couple different offers. You know, you've got big companies that got different brands that appeal to different customer segments. So for us, we've spent a lot of time before we even created our offer, figuring out who our customer is. And we realized that our offer doesn't make sense to everybody. So we, we really narrowed in on who our customer is. Our customer is a high distress, high equity avatar. And that's the only person we go after. Because for, for us to do our magic and then make a healthy profit on the other side, that's the only avatar we want to work with. That's the only avatar where it works for them and it works for us. And by the way, long, longevity in business, it's got to be a two-way street. It's got to work for the customer. It's got to work for you. And we do not go after anybody else that's not high, high distress, high equity. And... You might say, wow, you're leaving out a lot of people. Lee. What about all these creative deals? You got sub two, you got, you've got, you can do all of these other deals. You're missing out. On, yeah, I am. So what's interesting as we're even talking about this, is I'm cutting out 90% of the data on the first swipe. And you're smiling because you're as, as a marketer, you're going, okay, I get what you're doing here. You're, you know, your customer, but a lot of people go, man, you're missing out on deals. And we found we're better off, if you can imagine, we'll call the spin army. So our Southeast Property Investments Network, my company, imagine the spin army between people overseas, people domestically, there's about 25 of us. If I can point my army of 25 on 10% of the data, we've got a full force attack on that customer versus spreading that army over, you know, 10 times the amount of customers. And that's why we're effective because we've got full force attack on that narrow customer avatar that's our customer and they get a lot of attention from us because we know our customer we know who we want we know that that's not even about the deal it's the customer it's the customer that holds the house so we go after the customer the house is just something that they own that's the widget but we go after the high distress customer that happens to own a house with a lot of equity and that's the only customer we go after we literally don't go after anybody else. And by Those the way, so valuable. since yeah. the market shifted, we, we used to be nationwide. We've narrowed it down to just Florida. High distress, high equity, state of Florida. That's it. Just in just one state, which is so, so amazing. Like I think about it, like one of the analogies that kind of popped in my mind as you were talking is like, why do we only have one spouse? You know, and like you think about how long it takes to learn that person, right? I mean, not the avatars are that complicated, uh, but it's like, when you point 25 people in one direction, I mean, you really have this sense of like, you learn how they think, you learn exactly like where things come up, where the objections come up. And that level of mastery allows, it, it, it's just 
the exponential gains come in that 1%, 2% difference. So I love what you're saying. Uh, my mind is really tempted to take us down a, a direction that I, I wouldn't normally go. So normally I want to talk about all your wins and successes and, and expounding the lessons. But for some reason, my brain's saying, hey, let's talk about the AI challenge, right? Because what you're, what you're essentially doing is you want to convey your avatar to AI. What are some of the challenges you're facing in getting AI to understand your avatar? It, it's having, we can upload the list. So it, it's getting it to automate the process of, it, it can give us back the list of where that customer is, but it, it's getting it to actually start the conversation in an intelligent way and bring the conversation back to us. So that's the stopping point that we're at. Um, but I'm, I'm, I know that if we crack that code, that's the next step in, in our evolution as a company, because now it, for me, what I see as a marketer is exponentially more leads. I see lead flow exploding because then we can, we can actually do more because, because the lead flow is on, is on autopilot because now it's just, I need more bodies answering the leads. We have a lot of teams, so we're stacked pretty heavy on the data side. So right now, um, just to kind of give you, if you look at that 25 people, 10 people are openers. We've got two closers. So we have a five to one ratio between openers and closers. So we got 10 openers, we got two closers. So that's half our team right there. So if you just took the sales team, half of my organization is my sales team. And that tells you how focused we are on sales. Then you've got, overseas on our data team in India, we've got five people. So 17 people on my team is just data and sales. Then the other eight are accounting, admin, construction, um, and me. So yeah. that, I mean, that's it. That's the, the final third of the team. So it's, it's, it's interesting now when I look at the organization and another fun fact, 70% uh, of my organizations overseas. So. Which is, I love that. I mean, we're very, very, very similar in that way. We've, we've operated overseas a long time, um, which kind of brings us back to one thing you said about, you know, your, one of your friends or competitors is completely virtual uh, in their closing process. And just out of curiosity, when your, op when your openers are opening, is it always a standard opening or do they vary? And if so, like how much variation is there in the opening? That's a great question. So, I have to look at, you know, the owner time and I consider my time, we'll call it a $10,000 an hour activity. So I'm looking at every day. Does it mean I hit $10,000 every hour of every day? No. But do I strive to spend my time on $10,000 an hour activities? Yes, I do. So 15 minutes of my day, every single day is spent in the sales meeting with my openers and my closers. And people go, well, that's crazy. You got an entire team. Why do you as the owner have to be part of the sales meeting? Because I want to. So I spend, and if you took a pie chart of my entire time, I spend 80% of my time on everything above the line. What is the line? We define the line as the, si the signing of the sales contract. So everything above the line, when a contract has not been signed, we consider that revenue generating activities. Everything after a contract has been signed, we consider that loss prevention or revenue retention, but there's no revenue creation there. So I spent all of my time with the salespeople. 
Now, part of that 15 minutes is actually going over the exact thing we spoke about, which is the conversations they're having with sellers, wins, losses, questions. And so the script that we have for our openers is actually, we refer to it as a guide and it's very question-based. So our entire sales process is actually asking open-ended questions because the entire goal of the opener is to, in a confident way and an empathetic way, let the seller know that at SPIN, that we have the best solution for them and that our closer or our acquisition manager is the best person to provide that best solution. That's their only job, not to get into the details, not to discuss all of those options, because that's not their job. Then it moves to the next stage of the production line, which is a closer. Our closer, we often joke, have you seen the movie Gladiator? Uh, yes, uh, yeah. I actually really, really enjoy watching Yeah, so my, my son, his, his name is Maximus, I actually named him after the movie uh, Gladiator. So Maximus in the movie Gladiator. And the yeah. reason I say Gladiator, we refer to our closers as our gladiators because they're, we want to feed them, you know, just keep them all like ready to go. And that way when the seller calls, okay, now, now it's time to fight. And so we don't have them dialing a bunch of people. They're there just to close. And the opener's job is just to do a smooth handoff and set the closer up for success. We're very, very targeted in what we do as a company. And we try not to cross paths and, and, and have people stay, stay, get out of their lane. We want everybody to stay in their lane and realize that, that they're part of the production. So the data team is to pull the data. The data sorting team is to sort the data and scrub the data. And like we talked about, the data scrubbing team on the first pass is taking about 90% of the data. So if you take the raw data, then it, then it moves to the, the um, skip tracing team. And by the way, I'll give you a fun fact, which you might appreciate. By the time data populates in public record, it, most businesses close at 5 p.m. Eastern. Our data team, you want to know what time they start at? Tell me. 6 p.m. Eastern in India. Yeah. You know what time they finish? 6 a.m. Eastern. So the data that appears today, we have pulled, scrubbed, and skip traced by 6 a.m. the following day which goes back to another concept. You want to be better than your competition, do each stage of the business better and you'll crush your competition. You'll dust them. So that's what we do. And so when it gets to our openers, which is after it gets into Salesforce, they've got great numbers after great skip tracing, after great data, they got the right sellers and they have a guide to follow, which is question based. And their whole job is to put really good notes in for the closer saying, I spoke to so-and-so, their mother just died. They're dealing with this issue. They can't afford this. They need to move out soon. The power discussion and this, you should look at the notes and you know why there's such good notes because they ask great questions because that's the way our script is designed. It's not designed for this robotic. What is your name? How many bedrooms and baths do you have? We already know all that information. So we're asking open-ended questions so that our closer can say, Hey, Mary, first of all, I wanted to say, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your mother that passed away three months ago. I know it must be really hard. It's a different sales process here and it's all based around questions. So, sorry, I skipped around a lot there. I get, I get excited. This is my passion. So. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. 
We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Same, same. And, and so I'm going to kind of guide you through some questions. So your name's Spin, obviously a reference to Southeast Property Investment Network, right? Is, it, is the end network? Yes. Yeah. Is that any, is there any connection? The, the method of selling you're using is very similar to like a spin selling. And, and is there any connection there? No, so we actually hired a, a marketing company. This was uh, about 12, uh, 13 years ago and came up with this whole, so the, the whole goal was to have spin and have spin real estate, which was the brokerage. And then the, 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 the slogan was real estate of full throttle. So it had spin and it had a speedometer as real estate of full yeah. throttle. So we still use that logo. And so that, that's where that evolved from. That was a whole marketing exercise with the focus group. And I love this. I thought, I think it's great. And so everybody knows this as a spin team. I like acronyms because in the marketplace, it, it's very easy to remember who we are. And so yeah. on the, on the cannabis side, so, which is a sister company that, that I control, uh, the medical cannabis side, we actually have the holding company there called fast. We follow the same line. So we got spin, we got fast. So our, we always try to be, when we show up at conferences, it's easy to remember our name. So like, oh, there's the spin guys. Oh, there's the fast guys. Like it's, it's, it's not hard to remember, remember us, especially if you meet someone once. So yeah, spin, spin, real estate, of full throttle. That's our brand. So, and then going back and trying to tie a bow on the AI thing. So the reason that it's challenging is, is maybe not only just the first question, right? But because in order to really train the AI in your method, it would have to be, they would have to understand that the answer then leads to another question. Yes. So is the challenge that it's very hard to train the AI in which of your sets of questions are appropriate for a particular response. Yes. I it's, it's, it's like I said, we're getting lots of lists spit out and we actually paused that project because we're having so much traction right now mm. with, with our direct, uh, or with our outbound campaign, 90% of our leads right now are coming from outbound. We're absolutely crushing outbound. And the reason being, I'm going to give you a couple of reasons, Matt, that I'm seeing. Number one, our competition's using third-party sales floors. So if you're using a third-party sales floor and you're watching this, I'm sorry. People like us are going to wipe the floor with you because I own and control my, my sales team, which means they're following our process, not a generic process that's being used for 20, 30, 40 other clients. Our leads aren't being shared with other clients. 
they're, they're, they're not, we're not crossing lists. There's a lot of things that happen that can really bad things that can happen with a third party sales for. So that's, that's a huge thing that we're doing. That's different. Uh, also, we, we run people through a personality test, a cognitive ability test. Our openers are really smart. So we have, we, we don't consider like virtual people different than real people. Like they're all real people, right? right? So we hire, we have the same standard, whether you're in South America, you're in Africa, you're in the Philippines, you're in India, you're in Pakistan, doesn't matter. We want smart, motivated. We, we jokingly call them spinsters. So if you work at spin, you're a spinster. We want everybody to be the same. And so we got, you know, company-wide calls where everybody's on the call, but everybody's the same, doesn't matter where you are in the world. And so that's another thing that makes us different. Everybody's smart. If you're not an A player, you're off the team, you're gone. And so it doesn't matter who you are on the team. So that's, that's a thing why we're having a lot of success with the outbound. So we actually paused the AI project on purpose because one of the things I've realized, if you're doing something that's working, and my mentor told me this, this is the wealthiest guy I know. And he, he said something really interesting to me. This was back in 2008 when I started to have some success with wholesaling, like real success. You know, we started just getting multiple contracts per day, per day. I mean, at one point, our, our high point of wholesaling back during the REO craze, we bought 120 properties in one month. Yeah. And then we sold them too. So that was 240 transactions in one month. You want to talk about the busy office? I mean, it's insanity. What's that, 20 a day? I think it's 20 a day. Some, some, it's, yeah. it, it was insane. It was insanity. Six a day. Oh, yes. No, no, no. 20 a day when you count both sides. Yeah. It, it was That's a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. Anyway, my main point is this. My mentor told me when you have something that works, he goes, you 10 exit, you 100 exit, you 1000 exit. You exhaust the opportunity when you have something that works, because what's going to happen is if it works for you, the competition's going to come in behind you. So exhaust that opportunity before the competition comes. So my whole point to you right now, we've seen a gap in the market where the competition's floundering. The, the, the OGs don't know what to do because the deals aren't just coming to them. The deals, the wholesalers bring them, the wholesalers are caught on going, hey, I can make more, way more than five grand, right? Now you got, you've got experts like us moving in where we're making $50,000. So I'm not going to do all the hard work and give you a deal for five grand. You know, we just wholesaled the deal this morning, actually. We bought it last night and we wholesaled it today. We'll make $75,000. That will never own the property in one hand out the other gone. Um, there's probably two hours of my time in that deal. So that's the kind of deals we like to do. But again, we pause the AI project because we're just, we're having such success with outbound. Uh, we, we actually are doing an organic SEO program, but, but the leads are just not as good as the outbound right now. The thing that's crushing right now for us is outbound and we're all in on outbound. So that's about 90% of our deals come from outbound. And when you say outbound, you're probably talking about texting and calling, uh, texting and calling. Um, you know, obviously, uh, as a licensed broker, I'll tell you, just check with your attorney, make sure everything you're doing is state and federally compliant. Um, we make business decisions on the things that we're doing and have checked and consulted with our attorney that the things that we're doing are both state and federally compliant and you should too. So yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean that in all sincerity, by the way, of course. Yeah. And so let's talk about, you know, is it mostly calls that are, that are landing clients? I mean, are, both, you, are you seeing text? both it's, yeah. it's calls and texts? And I guess my, that's a great question because 
people put a lot of thought into their call script, but not a lot of thought into their text script. We call them branch scripts. So for us, text responds to this, it could go this way or this way. So depending on how the seller responds, we always look at this exercise like anything else in business. What's your goal? So if it's a closer, they've got a different goal in the opener. And the goal with the opener is to get the seller to talk to us. So we try to send texts that lead to another question or another answer because we want to keep a conversation going. So we send texts that entice the seller, actually text us back. And by the way, sometimes the text is no. Why is that good? Because we take them out of our database. Like, are you, are you the owner of X property? No. Do you know the owner of X property? No. Cool. Gone. Because with two yeah. questions, we can weed them out of our database and not clog up our system. And the first question by itself is not, doesn't completely weed them out, but puts them in one box. And that's an example, by the way, that's a very elementary example of one of our branch text scripts where depending on the seller's answer, it can go down a different path. So we try to really think about this stuff and it goes back to previous conversation we had already in the, on this podcast, every step of the business, we're trying to think about how can we do it better than our competition? And the problem is you go back to a third party, who knows if you hand a list to a third party, the phone dialing company, God knows what they're saying to people. I mean, seriously. So this is why we try to control everything that we can control. We try to either own it or control it. And that's, that's, that I believe is a big part of our success. A lot of the language you're using in this podcast is surrounding army, right? You know, spin army, uh, gladiator, uh, you know, it's it focus on the competition, et cetera. Tell me like, what value do you get out of thinking about the prospect and the competition in that way? Sure. So I consider this a battlefield because um, every day there's new competition coming in. There's new, there's, there's competition leaving, there's buyers entering the market and there's sellers entering the market. There's buyers leaving the market and the sellers leave the market. So if you believe all that to be true, that means that consistently moving the ball forward is typically the person that wins. And I'm a big believer. If you consistently do the right things, the results will follow. So for instance, I know that if, if I have X amount of openers having the right amount of conversations, with the, with the data to pull the right way every single day and the numbers that have been skip traced the right way and following the right process every single day that I'm likely to get X amount of opportunities that come out of that that are now going to be tackled by the opener with the right conversation consistently every day that's going to produce the right amount of contracts every day. And so when I look at the competition, if they're not innovating every single day and I am, I'm going to stay ahead of my competition. So the best way to deal with your competition is not to be focused on your competition is to focus on your business and make each part of the business better every day. And so my job as the owner, the founder, the CEO is to spend every day going, what can I make better? How can I make our sales process? And that's the thing, like I said, I spent 80% of my time. How can I make this better for the customer? You know, we had a lady like just crying. In fact, our seller that just signed the contract last night was supposed to sign two nights ago. She was talking to the bank and was so distraught, had a panic attack, 
was talking to my closer and on the way to the hospital. People first, no problem. Take care of yourself. Call me when you get out of hospital. Are you okay? Great. You know what happened about the conversation, the contract? No conversation. The following day, she said, hey, I'm better. Great. Can we talk after work? No problem at all. You ready to sign now? Yes, I am. Perfect. You know, you put people first and you have an entire army that's caught focus on your customer. It's, it's just this daily commitment of excellence and innovation and being better. And I just look at the beginning of our, the journey of our lead starts with our data and it ends with our closing process, which is really, you know, most cases for us, it's a double close. I'm just looking at weaknesses. Where's the weak link? Where's the chain breaking? How can I fix that? Perfect. Now where's the next weak link? Then it speeds up a little bit. Okay. Break the chain break somewhere else. So my job is to identify the weak link and fix it because then I know we can speed up even more, fix the next weak link, speed up even more. And that's, that's really where I spend a lot of my time is just focus on the weakest thing. And what I do, what I used to do and what I don't do now I used to be focused on 10 different things. Now, if I identify one problem, I'll spend a week on one problem. I'll spend a month on one problem because if that's truly the weakest link, and I know I can go from 10 miles an hour to 50 miles an hour by just fixing one thing. My time's way better spent fixing that one thing than having a, a neatly organized to-do list and you know a, a well-organized accounting chart of accounts. That's stuff where I used to be a perfectionist. Now I'm result-oriented. How many contracts did we put on the board this week? What's the, what's the potential profit? Because I know the leading number of profitability for the company is the number of contracts and the potential profit we put in every single week into our company. And that number is driven by the number of opportunities. And that number is driven by the number of leads. And that number is driven by the raw data that's put in at the top of the funnel. So if I know all those things, I'm just looking at where, where's, where's the issue? At what point is it breaking? And we have this down to a science now where we can tell when there's a problem with an opener. And by the way, we've got daily data on each opener. I can literally see by the numbers, I can look at a spreadsheet of our 10 openers and I could rank them in 60 seconds and tell you when, and by the way, you could leave contracts blank and I could, I could rank the openers one through 10 by just looking at the leading numbers. And I say that not because I'm amazing. What I'm telling you is that good reporting and just key simple numbers, just simple KPIs in your business can help you run a, run a business a lot more efficiently than having these drawn out spreadsheets with 50 different numbers that don't tell you anything. 100%. Well, and I love how you talk about one thing, working on one thing at a time, because not only do you get that singularity of focus, you get a much better result, but then on top of that, if you're fixing five things on your car at one time, how in the world do you know which thing worked, which thing didn't work? So by being singular and focused, you have clear indications of what or the impact that that change is making. I agree with that 100%. We found if you try to change more than two variables at the same time, it's hard to tell what where, where you made the improvement or, or which thing that you improved worked. And so... We do sometimes change more than one thing, but it's very rare. We'll change more than two things at once for that exact reason. Yeah. What is your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? It's a good question. Uh, I'm planning on exiting 
the cannabis business and retiring. So as soon as the stock price hits a price that I feel will be a right time to jump off, uh, my goal is to retire. And when you say retire, is that retire from both companies or just from the one? I'd like to probably take some kind of advisory role. Um, I don't know what the, maybe just take a couple of years off and reevaluate things, travel. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I need a break. I think there'll be, there'll be a sabbatical for sure. And then I don't know. I think that it'll be a passion project for sure. Next time. Um, I do love business, but it'll be working with the people I like doing the things I like. And so maybe I'll just find the next me and just consult with them and help them grow their business. But you know, I, I'm past the stage where I want to grind right now. I, I love sales and marketing. So for me, this is just fun. I love, I like playing with numbers at the top of the funnel and seeing them turn into contracts for me as, and actually this is for a lot of entrepreneurs. If you find the businesses getting mundane, try to find a way to gamify it with numbers. And that's all I've done. And so for me, I'm just putting numbers in the board and it's just one big game of, you know, and now it's a challenge going, okay, how do I get another contract today? And so ga gamifying definitely keeps things interesting for me, but yeah, I've next 12 to 18 months, I would like to be officially retired. Love that. I'm writing that down. Lee Garney, thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing about your life, your business, yeah, about your future plans. Uh, for those of you out there listening, write down something you learned today. Maybe it's in how to go into a question-based process. Maybe it's having your data team work in the middle of the night so that the data is ready for you. Maybe it's about like one of the things I really took away from today's episode was that when you find a, a spot in the market, avoid the market. Don't just do it, but, but blow it up, expand it so much that you take out the air of the competition, the room for the competition. And that, uh, Lee, thank you so much for all these insights. But write down something you learned from today, guys. Share with somebody who knows so they can hold you accountable. Because freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. Catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 